It's car con carne. Live, it's Carcon Carne still in quarantine. Quarantine Con Carne. I'm James Van Ossel, and Carcon Carne is sponsored tonight by C&H Financial Services. As business owners open back up to serve their communities, they're faced with a lot of challenges as they navigate through the new normal brought on by the coronavirus. C&H Financial Services is here to help. C&H offers a variety of products that range from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa. MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services ETAB solution is easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. Hallelujah. I'm overjoyed. It's singer-songwriter Michael McDermott. Always a pleasure to see you, sir. James, great to see you. Want to hear something really weird that I realized earlier today? Of course. The last time you did this podcast, it was in my car, obviously. I saw you post that. That's amazing. It was four years ago today. Yay, I know. Do you remember to the, the day. Do you know, what was the name of that place we went to? I was telling Heather about uh, this last night. Hamburger like, Heaven in Elmhurst, in Elmhurst. Hamburger Heaven? Oh, what was it? Okay. I think so. It wasn't very good, right? It was something bad I, about the bun. Yeah, it was, it was a moldy bun. I wanted it to be way better than it was. but a moldy bun. <laughs> it, was, it was still delightful seeing you. But yeah, four years ago today. So uh, let, let's have a good time tonight, and then I'll talk to you in 2024. Well, let's do this every four years. Okay, every four years on this, or yes, four years. Every, every leap year, we're going to get together and talk. Okay. That's the plan. So Sunday night, Michael McDermott uh, returns to the stage, that stage being, I think, where you are right now, right? This chair. <laughs> this chair. It, it is a live performance from his home studio on Stage It. It is the, uh, the, the American in Me, which is a Michael yeah. McDermott song from like 13 years ago. Uh, yeah. The American in Me show, Sunday night at 10 p.m. That's rock and roll time. No, no, it's not. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. That is folk time. I think my mind just automatically made it PM because yeah. no way is Michael McDermott waking up that early to rock and roll. No, because, you know, for Europe, that's a, a huge reason for us. And uh, yeah, so, I, and you know, I'm, I'm to that point in my life where I'm, I'm cooking when I wake up and then the engine slows down very soon into the day. So are, are you holding up okay? Are, are, are you keeping busy? Are you keeping your mind occupied? I am keeping it nimble, yes. I'm doing, I'm trying to learn French now. And I tell you, when you miss a day on Babbel, uh-huh. endorsed by them, but uh, it all just goes away. So you're yeah. trying to learn a new skill. I think that's cool. Yeah. I, you know what I'm trying to do? What? I'm trying to learn how to play guitar for my first time. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Because I figured I'm home. I, I've got nothing else going on. Yes. I, I've always wanted to learn, and I'm sure it's the same with you in French. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've been in France a few times. I love France, and I write about France so quite a bit, probably more than I should. But I... Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been it's a language. It's beautiful, you know, as everybody knows. But it's difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult for me. I think French is really difficult. I, I took a, a year or so of French in college. Thought it was very hard. And then I went to Paris for my first time four um, years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. And 
I, I tried, like I, I would really try to zero in on people as they were talking, trying to understand, trying to pick out words I recognized. Yes. But the way those words blend together and so quickly, I just, I was dead in the water. Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't do it. Italy, I, you know, I go there a lot and, and I've learned how to say things, but then when people respond to what I say, it's just, I give up. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm a so dumb American. I don't know. I know. <laughs> Sorry. I and I remember one time in Italy, I was, I was saying, I was trying to hit, talk to a waiter, a bartender girl, and I was trying to, you know, in my drunken stupor, trying to somehow strike up a conversation with her. And I kept saying, instead of saying, "What's your name?" <laughs> I kept saying, "What's what's my name?" And then I got the more belligerent I got, I was screaming, like, what's my name? And she let this look like, this, this guy's a total, total madman. You know, because she didn't know my name. And I, was, I kept demanding that she know my name. So I was really nervous when I went because I went by myself. I was there for a radio conference in Paris. I had to speak there. And I didn't know the language. I was there by myself. And I was really worried that people were going to be shitty to me. Because yes. that, that's the rap. You know. Family, yeah. You know, say you're from Ontario, uh, don't say you're from America. And so someone said, no, everyone there can kind of fake their way through English. You just have to begin every conversation like you're a stupid American, like whatever. I forgot what the exact French phrasing was, but excuse me, I don't speak your beautiful language. Uh, can you please help me? I'm just a dumb American. Whatever that was in French, I'd, be I'd begin every sentence with that. And that was a nice icebreaker. Yeah. And you know, the thing I... It is, it is, and I think they, they will give you the, if you try to say something in French and you do it wrong, they won't, they won't let you fly. Like if you say, I want a chocolate croissant, like, Bene de chocolat, and they'll go, and, uh, Bene de chocolat, and then they'll go, ah, Bene de chocolat, like, that's what I said six times, like, but no, you didn't say it like, you know, uh, you didn't say it the right way. If you try to speak the language with any kind of uh, hubris, they will shoot you down. But right. if, you, if you humbly say, I don't really you know, then I think. Oh, if only I were fortunate enough to speak your beautiful language. Oh, yeah, wouldn't my life be a million times better? And yet here I am yeah. stuck with a Chicago accent. I, I oh, no, yeah. woe is me. Yeah. Uh, so you, sir, just put out a new album. What in the world? What in the I, world? Yeah, what in the world are you doing the without world? a record oh. this? Yeah. Uh, well, I know exactly. I, I think that's great. And I, I think putting content out at this time, not just this time, politically and sociologically, this time as we're all stuck in COVID, we need great diversion. We need content. We need arts right. filling, our, filling our heads. And I think it's a great time to put something out. It is. And, you know, I said to you before we started, you know, it's a captive audience. So it's, uh, I think it was, people said, should we not put it out? I said, no, you're crazy. No, let's put it out, you know. Awesome call. So the title track, What in the World? What in the World? If ever there was a song that, capsulized 2020 well this is it yeah the, 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 this is the narrative for the year right here yeah it wasn't intent you know unfortunately so and, and it's a uh, you know we, we obviously everybody kind of saw the deconstruction of an organized society happening and and xrt's playing the hell out of it which i can't believe really good for them yeah i know right i mean just even besides the fact that i i'm my ego is loves it uh and that it helps good for them you know to even do that and and they're picking you know really good times to do it which i was just blown away they haven't played a song of mine a new song of mine in 20 years what well, was unemployed the last one i think it was the last one yeah. no 
Yeah. They, they've, That's when they, I was there. I, I know. They played like Ace, you know, they'll do a, a, the new song from Willow Springs. They did it once. Lynn got to play it once, and, you know, but this is an official ad. Good. Yeah, it every day. Yeah, it's great. Uh, lyrically, I, I, I'm not even going to begin quoting the lyrics, but I do love so many lines. Wages in a flat line, coughing in a coal mine, gaslit, half-wit. It feels like we're out of time. This is great stuff. It seems like it would be a nightmare to sing on stage. It was very difficult at first. It was hard to just get air to breathe. breathe. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it took a physical effort to get to the point where I could sing it all the way through without uh, feeling like I was going to pass out. Yeah, the word counts high on this one. It is. I think it's 426. Somebody in a review said the 426, uh, you know, I was like, wow, I didn't know. Uh, this, is, this is your subterranean homesick blues. It, it, also, exactly. it also sonically to me sounds like Pump It Up by Costello. Oh, nice. Thank you for that. It's not saying by, uh, we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I just want to be able to compare your music to someone other than Springsteen. Thank you. Yeah. And I use the goddamn word subterranean in the song. As in, like, it wasn't, I don't say Billy Joel, rock and roll, whatever, or anything with fire in it, I don't think. Well, and the video you did for this is, yeah, uh, yeah total aping of... Uh, trying to drive that home, James. Yeah, I, I, but it's a great song. That's how the album opens, and then it closes with an acoustic version. This is basically your Rust Never Sleeps, mm. with, with the acoustic and electric. Yeah. This, this is uh, like your Hey, Hey, My, My. Yeah, well, I didn't know that he did that. Uh, but why, the the book ending choice, why, what made you include both versions? Because I, I thought it was the spirit of a protest folk song. And I thought the the band version is so rocking and so majestically huge. Oh, it has teeth. It has, it's, it's yeah. banged. And I wanted uh, the, to have a version available for the NPR stations, you know, the quieter, folky stations in Europe and around the world, that that would be just too big of a song for them. So I, I gave them the option. to. That makes perfect sense. So listening to the lyrics, hearing you talk, now that you're six plus years sober, I'm sure you're looking around the world thinking, look, I got my shit together. Why can't everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. When did I become the same one? <laughs> I got my shit together. Let's go, people. Come on. Yeah. Well, in my theory is that why the world is in flames is because the world is inflamed. Everyone's inflamed. And you know how when you bump your leg or stub your toe, and then for days after that, you even a slightest brush against some people. Oh, God, it's so, it's so sensitive. And that's what we all are. We're all very sensitive. We're all in a state of mental illness, I think. And I, I'm convinced of it. I think that the our dear leader is a... If he wasn't so dangerous, I would feel bad for him. Uh, there's an addiction specialist named Gabor Mate who talks about even leaders, you can trace the lineage of leaders uh, throughout time, that they're all, they're all traumatized people. And maybe that's what propels them to want to seek such high office. But, you know, even Obama was abandoned by his father, is raised by his white grandma. You know, there's, there's things you can trace all the way to trauma. And Trump tormented by his father, unloved by his mother, brother drank himself to death. There's all, there's, he is, and I know from experience, an addicted mind, and he is an addicted, the behavior of addiction, he's in a state of addiction. And what that addiction is, what his, his uh, dopamine hit is, is the power of it all, and the rallies and all that stuff, and he just chases that high. That's all he is. He's a man with an addiction. And, and I think that this has driven us to, you know, catastrophic, 
uh, debts. And, uh, and I will gladly not sing this song. I mean, the system was broken prior to him, no doubt about it. It was getting that way. But I think this is just an amazing opportunity for everything. The fact that our, us as a country, or even as, I'm not sure how it was globally, but we shut down air travel. I mean, think about that. What effort went into taking that? That's a, an amazing feat. And I think, you know, we should be applauded for that, that we were able to do that. Now, if we were able to do that, why would we stop there? Why do we want to rebuild Babylon? Why does anybody want to go back? Was everybody walking around idyllically happy before this? Fuck no. People talking about why they can't work. Dude, you fucking hated your job. You were on that train. You hated it. You were next to the guy who farted all the way in the city. You couldn't ever get a seat. What do you, what do you miss about that? What does everybody have this false narrative about how great things were? Things were terrible. And like, why stop with air travel? Why, why are we going back? If we, go, if we go back to the same thing, it'll be the greatest tragedy. I don't disagree. And I don't know if you can hear it. The artillery is already going off in my neighborhood. The fireworks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. my God. And somewhere downstairs, my dog is cowering in the corner of the couch, <laughs> yeah. just wanting this all to stop. Sweet yeah. Lord, please make it stop. I want to dig a little further into the new album. Uh, Contender, Love the Horns. This, is, this plays like straight autobiography. Yes. About your musical journey. I could have been a contender. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's how I know you are a quintessentially classic Chicago Midwestern guy, that sense of self-deprecation, the ability to take the piss out of yourself. Yes. Yes. They, it's also been said that self-deprecation is also just another sign of self-obsession. I don't, I, I don't feel that. Yeah, because some people, they'd rather, you know, it's better to speak, you know, they say it's better if they talk, it's, if they speak ill of you than not speak anything at all. So you'd rather have terrible uh, reviews than no reviews at all. And I guess on some level that's true. And then uh, Blue-Eyed Barmaid, this is a deeply personal song. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, it, uh, it's a fictional story. I mentioned my nephew in it, who was a soldier who did two tours and had PTSD. And uh, I mentioned to you off air that he committed suicide June 1st of, of last year and his sister committed suicide June 3rd. Of so two days apart, my brother lost two children. I can't and it was imagine. a very traumatic thing. And I, I mentioned him when he was still alive. I used him uh, in Blue-Eyed Barmaid. The Veils of Veronica is more about Aaron's uh, journey and uh, the phone, which I mentioned the author there. So uh, there was a lot of, this record wasn't, I never sat down to write kind of this collection of, but it was, a, these songs made the most sense to me in that it's a, we, it's a, it's a state, we're in a state now. But I think, you know, on some level, I would hope that the world's in a state of awakening, that we real, we're starting to wake up to a lot of things. And, that, and that's the only thing, I mean, I'm not a, glasses half full kind of guy, but I do believe the reason there is this friction is that there is a sense of awakening happening. Well, there's that, and you mentioned the word trauma earlier. I heard someone describe COVID-19 as a collective, collective trauma that That's we're all beautiful. sharing. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's so true. And I, I think as whatever's going on around us, we're all trying to figure out how to navigate our emotions. I mean, I, I can go through 10 different emotions in 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. highs, lows, because everything is upside down. It is. I, I, I think yeah. that that is making everything really confusing and harder to plow through. It is right. I mean, because I'm glad you said that, because, yeah, some days I'm fine. And, you know, I live, 
you know, I like my quiet time and alone time, and it, 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 this kind of thing has suited me. But yeah, there's been this odd, strange mood swings, and I talked to a friend of mine too who said, "Man, I'm going through some darkness," you know, and and yeah, but and I don't know what that is, but it's it's exciting to me that there can be real change on the horizon, like yeah. change that hasn't happened in a long, long time. Well, and the fact that you're doing this show on Sunday night, again, on stage, it you can buy your tickets, see you performing. Uh, it is the American in Me Sunday night. I, I think that kind of stuff is so important. And this, is, this has become a running theme with me over the past couple weeks, months, the need to innovate through COVID-19. You can't, as a creative, wait for things to get back to normal. Normal may never happen again. Who the fuck knows? Right. What, what do you as a creative, as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, do to find, find your way through it? And I think doing things like this is how you do that. And I, you know, different artists will have, you, you see television shows, finding ways around it, doing things on Zoom. I, I think we all need to rethink how to, how to behave and do our thing. Yeah. We, I, we certainly can't sit back. No, I, but I have, and I've been doing this for a while. I have my routine. So I'm up early and I'm writing and I do that. And then when the house starts moving around and then things get going. So I, this is, you know, my routine has changed very little except, you know, traveling and going on the road, which frankly, I don't miss, you know, I didn't love having 16 flights in 19 days, you know, like it was just, it was awful. And so I don't miss that at all. And yet there's this new kind of frontier of community, like doing a world tour every Sunday, once a week and being able to reach all those people that would take me hundreds of thousands of miles of air travel to reach everybody. You know, I could do it from this room. You know, it's incredible. It's a miracle. And had this not been a platform, I'd be on the street, you know. So, so my routine is the same. I keep moving, you know, because I, you know, waiting for divine inspiration never worked out well for me. You have to force the issue. You know, you have to uh, be a snake charmer of sorts. Got to confront it, you know, because waiting around. And, and this has been interesting. You know, it's weird. And I joke about in my early days, I used to play a, a lot of songs and you finish and you don't hear applause. So it's, it's weird to be in a room and play and then you don't hear anything. Like go on to the next song. It's like playing those rooms I used to play back on Lincoln Avenue back when I was 18 and 19. It's so funny, and I'll jump ahead ahead on my sheet of paper, but back in time. Next year is the 30th anniversary of 620 West Surf. Is it really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, you were just a kid. Yeah, I was. The, the Michael McDermott yeah. playing Lincoln Avenue. So I, I just put that in your head, but you got to do something for that. I got to do something. I didn't know. I didn't even think about that. Um, I, yeah, the, in the, you know, somebody, I just got an email from Martha who does stuff for me. She's got an email from someone who said, you know, why can't you get it on iTunes? Cause and I don't know why that is. It's unfortunate, but that's not even available on Spotify or anything like that. Right. It's not on Google like, or any of those streaming services. Yeah. So I, maybe I'll, that's, you know, maybe I'll do a new updated version. I don't know how that would work. Cause I did 620 West surf as a, as an album on one of these stage of things. And it was, it was funny. It was, it was almost like, you know, looking through an old photograph album where you kind of, see some of the hairstyles and you go, Ooh. Yeah. The, the hair, the hair may not have been a, a choice look for you back yeah. then. <laughs> no, I was rolling that back too, James. Oh, good. Oh, fantastic. But yeah, I, do like a, do like a vinyl reissue. I'd be all in on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'd love, uh, I'd yeah, love to have, mur love to have murder in the first degree on vinyl. Yeah. When then did I do that? What did I do? In, did, what did I do in the car? Do you remember? Willow Springs. 
I don't remember. Oh, Willow Springs. Yeah, yeah. Willow Springs, right? That was so cool. So, all right, the new album. Oh, I wanted to talk about Mother Emanuel, too. Uh, that, that's a big up-tempo rocker, but there, there, there's stuff going on lyrically there. Yeah, so Heather and I, we've only taken really one vacation ever. You know, our, our travel is always work-related. So uh, we went to Charleston, South Carolina. I'd been there on tour years ago, and I hadn't been back in years, and I wanted to take her there. So we went down there, and I got up in my, my morning, you know, when it's still dark out, and I went for a walk, and I came upon this church, a beautiful church, and, and I looked at the name, and I went, oh, this is that this is where that shooting took place, you know? So I didn't really remember even much about what, what happened, you know? So I went back and she was getting up and we had breakfast and I Googled it. And yeah, this is where those nine people were murdered. Oh my God. And so I started reading it and uh, reading articles just on Google. And then I started getting like really kind of went for a deep dive into this. And I started doing a lot of research for it because I thought there's nine people. And Dylan Roof is obviously a, a character in this tragedy. Maybe it's an album. You know, I tell the story. You know, it could be, you know, the, 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 the themes that would go throughout this album would be amazing. So I, st- I got all these legal pads and I had their pictures and I had them strewn all about my room and I was reading transcripts from the court. And, um, and a friend of mine, TJ English, who wrote the book The Westies, he's a New York Times bestselling, the true fic, the true crime writer. I, t- I called him. I said, dude, I think I got the needle thought, dude, this is amazing. You've got to tell the story. I'll help you do the research. Oh my God. So I reached out to the pastor of Mother uh, AME Church and I reached out to him saying, I'd like to come down and told him what I was thinking. And I'd like to meet the families if, with his permission, if he'd be willing to make those introductions and all that. And he didn't want any part. Of it. And I get, I get it. You know, who's this, you know, white guy from, what are, what are you trying to do? What you're going to, what do you know about anything? And I get it. And so it, you know, I told, asked TJ about that. And he said, you don't really need him to do that. We, you know, there's ways to do it. And I just didn't feel right about going forward without his blessing or, you know, at least being able to meet the families. And, I get that. Right. So anyway, I, this song kind of came out and it was, I, it was something I wanted to talk about that the fast, most fascinating part of the whole story I found was that even at the, the hearings for Dylan Roof, the families ended up into this day, as far as I know, are in, they don't speak to each other. There's been, they've been traumatized and some of the families wanted to forgive him, but some wouldn't. And they said, you can't, you can't forgive him. You know, and in Judaism, there's a thing where that only if you are the victim, can you forgive? So there's ways that you, that, you know, so the dead people can't forgive because they're dead. They're not here to forgive you. So there was a, there was this huge torrent of animosity between all these families and started destroying the families internally because, because of this, uh, this event. So I thought the idea of forgiveness was, a, was something to talk about with this. And, and I, I, the song is musically is odd within this record, but I thought it was important within the theme of the record, like what in the world, this is, yeah. this is the world we live in. And, you know, he wanted to start a civil war. And that hasn't changed in the five years or four years since it happened. You know, things, race relations are, you know, unbelievable now. And uh, so, but it's, it's coming to a head and I don't know what that head is. But, uh, and I do, with, um, with Mother Emanuel, I do, um, and I don't know if this will come through, but for the intro, I'll, 
I'll even use a bit of the Mother of Mayhem. Won't you please come to Chicago, Mother of You know, and I use the, you know, that in, in it and uh, kind of brings it home because, you know, the, the violence here is really unbelievable. I mean, but, you know, if, you, if people don't have anything to live for, they're going to start acting like it. And I've been on ride arounds with the gang units here in, t in town, and it is unfucking believable, man. You know, and, and it's, you know, what, 10 miles from here? It's a yeah. different world. I mean, interesting you know listening to that song i had no idea there was that much backstory like the first time i listened through the album it was just kind of on in the background I, I, that's i usually do that then i dig in after the first listen then i then i started listening closer i'm like oh because my first time through i'm like oh this sounds like this would be a fun one live then i started listening i'm like oh there's 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 a lot more going on here <laughs> a lot yeah. uh chancho who's watching on facebook live says big michael mcdermott fan Happy to see him advocating strongly for a better world oh. when we have the chance to build rather than rebuild. Right. Thanks. Nice. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, I love that. So this album, What in the World, crowdfunding again. Yeah. yeah. Hi, you, you blew away your Kickstarter goal. No mm -hmm. surprise. But how does that feel to have a community of fans help you build out your vision? It's daunting because you feel... You you can't just call it not that I would call it in any way, but it puts a lot of it does put added pressure. I mean, I think anytime, I think a lot of artists are driven by you know my therapist said I'm a people pleaser and that's been part of my downfall. But yes, I'm, I want people to be happy, and when people reach into their pockets and even anytime they do for a shirt or a hat or a CD, you know, it's it comes with it responsibility. But I think I, I work well under pressure. And so I like it. I like, the, I like put, putting my feet to the fire. I mean, I, I want the ball in my hands with three seconds to go in the game. <laughs> and it's, it's cool as a fan to be a stakeholder. I hope so. Like I hope this. it is. I hope oh. it's supporting, yeah. Hey, I, just, I love how that playing field's been leveled. Like, I don't know how much it costs to make 620 West Surf back in the day. But the fact that you're doing it was... $282,000, I think. How much? 282000 yeah, dude. The and then the video was like I, you know, so I'm at my parents' house, you know, and I rebuilt it. But I went through, you know, going through boxes in the garage, you know, like the budgets were just insane. Two hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. I went, oh, oh my god, you know. And the the video was like eighty-five on top of that, and uh, you know, it was just just like numbers on paper. You know, I never saw any of that money. Right, but, because that eighty-five. The video cost was like a marketing cost, right? Yeah. Like you had to and, and my, yeah, my advances, I remember, three. here's your check for $3,000. It came from my lawyer who like then took 1600 out of it for his thing. So I closed the check and I was like, wow, how did I even know that? What, what a glamorous time to be alive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the fact that you can do all that, you can record stuff where you're sitting right now, have it sound great. Yes. It's just the empowering aspect of it. Yeah. Can't it's be crazy. beat. You know, and they all kind of knew the music industry, and you knew that, those eras, man. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I don't know how it was on your end, but, I mean, there was a lot of money thrown around at radio. I mean, I oh, saw yeah. And another thing I saw, like, the radio budgets, like, the promote, like the promotional tour, and, like, I don't know, remember the number, 16,000, like, and just, like, wow, just money after money and taking programmers out to dinners. And you know. I, When I found out that that was being charged against the artist, like, for yeah. – 
a radio promotions person. Yeah. Like the Midwest guy is going to take the programmer from WXYZ out for a $200 steak dinner. I mean, that makes your flesh crawl. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know it then. I was, I just, it was also surreal to me then going, going to these things. And I went with, I remember my first radio tour was with Charlie Minor, who's a guy who ended up having, do you remember Charlie Minor by chance? Yep. Yeah, who had a true Hollywood story on him because he was <laughs> he murdered by a woman and in his house. Uh, so, yeah, so I, but I was with Charlie Meyer, this slick Bill Clinton guy, Southern boy, you know, going in, everybody knew Charlie. And he would tell everybody in town that, like, hey, why don't you go and come, you come to dinner with Michael and I? And, da, da, da. and they all thought they were going to dinner with us. But then we got to the restaurant, there were, you know, 150 people. Charlie invited everybody in town, and they all had this stunned look on their face, like they thought it was going to be this intimate, like, wow, oh, Charlie asked me to dinner. They had no idea he invited every radio guy in town. And uh, it was just, it was a circus. It was great. Uh, Martha would like everyone to know on Facebook that the stage it is at 10 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> Covered. Uh, so where do people get tickets to see you? Perform? There's a link. Uh, Martha, do you have the link? <laughs> there's a link at, or just go to stage it it's a featured show i think and it's pay what you can so you could pay anywhere up from up to a million dollars i think i think after that I, it puts me in tax uh crisis or you could pay a penny literally so whatever if you don't have money i think you have to pay a, a, at least a penny i love that so people who can afford it yeah and who, who are fans they can spend the money but you know obviously this is a tough time for everybody if they can't and they just want to support you and and Watch you play. They can do that, too. That's cool. Yeah. And we, yeah, we do the, you know, and it's a morning show, which is fun. So you can, you know, instead of watching Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, you got me. Yeah. Wake up with Michael McDermott. It's a yeah. dream come true. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, this is the stuff of fantasy right here. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. So, again, go to stage it. Go see Michael Sunday morning. It's a holiday weekend. What better way to celebrate? Yeah. Your hangover with me. That's that's I know funny. a thing or two about hangovers. Believe you me. You do. You, you honed it into a fine art. And then once, once you conquered that, you moved on. My hangovers had hangovers. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Much appreciated. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. That was great. James, always a pleasure, man. Always.